Good morning, everyone. Chodesh Tov. Good Erev Shabbat. The Parsha of the Week of Korach has a very special Haftorah that goes with it. The Haftorah is from the Novi Shmuel. And it's a somewhat parallel story. It's not exact, but there are echoes of uh, the Moshe Rabbeinu story uh, with the Shmuel Hanavi story. Shmuel Hanavi serves as the Shofet, the leader of the Jewish people, for 49 years from the time that he was three years old. He's in the house of Ailey. He is raised to be the leader of the Jewish people. And out of all of the Shoftim, uh, we can say that he was the greatest of the Shoftim. And the uh, Tanakh itself uh, accords him that... Uh, Status, Moshe, the Aaron, the Choanov, Ushmuel, the Shmo. That to a certain extent we can compare Shmuel Anavi to Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron Akohen. So, uh, we are talking about one of the great, great figures in the history of the Jewish people. And he's been the leader a long time. I mentioned 49 years. So his generation that saw him as the leader originally when he was a young man has departed. And there's a different generation now. And the uh, different generation sees him in a different light. As every generation sees people differently. And the people therefore come to him and say that uh, he should retire. (coughs) He should leave. And they say, we want to have a king. We want to have a different system of government than the one that pertained until now. So until now, it was uh, the autocracy of Moshe and Yoshua, and then there were 350 years about of Shoftim, and it would, the, uh, the authority was divided amongst different tribes. We don't want that anymore. We want to have a melech. And they said, like other nations have. We're not satisfied with you. Now, uh, 
in essence, that's the rebellion of Korach against Moshe. He, uh, Korach does not deny what Moshe has accomplished, that he leaves to Dosun Vaviram to do. They are the ones that falsify history. They said, uh, you took us out of the land of milk and honey. They called Egypt the land of milk and honey. You took us out to die in the desert. But Korah doesn't say that. Korah just says, Ki kulam kedoshim. Everybody is holy, you know, we want this. Why are you in charge? Uh, in effect, uh, he uh, creates all of the slogans of democracy throughout the ages. Who made you the uh, authority? By what authority do you rule? <coughs> we don't want that anymore. So uh, that's the challenge to Moshe. That's the challenge to Shmuel. Now, the story with Shmuel is different because there's a uh, mitzvah in the Torah. Shalosh mitzvahs nitzavu Yisrael bechnisosam loharetz. There were three special tasks that the Jewish people had to accomplish when they came to the land of Israel. So one was to destroy Amalek. The second was to build the Beit HaMikdash. And the third one was to create a monarchy, a king. So the Torah, so to speak, gives its approval. It's imprimatur that a king should be appointed. Som tasim alecha melech. But Shmuel says they're not ready for a king. Just as in the time of Shmuel, he said they're not ready yet for the Beit Hamikdash. Just as in the time of Shmuel, they did not destroy Amalek yet. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu has sons. Gershon and Menashe. I'm sorry, Eliezer. Gershon and Eliezer. The nature of fathers, all human fathers, is they want their sons to take over the business. They want that the next generation uh, should follow in the footsteps of the previous generation. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu's children are not even considered for the job. 
when they choose the 70 elders, they are not part of the group. And uh, Moshe's Talmud, Yoshua, is the one that will succeed him. But not Gershom and not Eliezer. And in fact, we don't know what happens with Moshe's uh, descendants. And in Tanakh, we read even that uh, he had uh, a grandchild that was a uh, priest for idolatry, for Abolazora, which is uh, mind-boggling to think about it. And Moshe, according to Medrash, the Medrash is the one that fleshes it out. You don't see it in the written Torah itself, but the Medrash is the one that provides the details. Moshe feels very badly (coughs) that his children are not even considered. Now, there's a great debate in Jewish life uh, in the how uh, how the role of succession should be applied. In other words, just because one's father was the rov of the community, does that mean that the son uh, should also become the rov of the community? It's a uh, fascinating topic, and it's discussed over and over again in the Chuvas and the rabbinic responsa. Of course, rabbis are uh, not unbiased in this matter. And uh, it was always a uh, matter of tension between the rabbinic families and between uh, the community leaders, so to speak. So, for instance, uh, there are two tshuvas in the Chatam Sofer, Rabbi Moshe Sofer. Uh, one tshuva was written when he was yet younger. And the question was about the succession uh, of a son to... Uh, the father's rabbinic position. And in that tshuva, the Chatam Sofer was of the opinion that the son had no preference over anyone else. In other words, there's no chazakah, there's no uh, implicit agreement that it's dynastic with that family. But that uh, the community has the right to choose its rabbinic leader as it wishes, whoever that person may be. There's a second tshuva that's written 30 years later. And in that tshuva he says there is dynasty. The son has the upper hand. So uh, both tshuvas are printed in the the Chatam Sofer, 
So we could say that they were different cases. In one case, perhaps he felt that the son was not that worthy. So he said the people could choose who they wish. In the other case where he felt that the son was really the best candidate, so he expressed the opinion that uh, he's entitled to it. But in a broader sense, uh, that's always a question. And the question happened in the Khatam Sofer's own family. The Khatam Sofer, Ramusha Sofer, when he passed away, so his son, he was the, he was the Rav in Prezborg, that's uh, today's Bratislava, the capital of Slovakia. At that time, it was one of the four imperial cities of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. It was Vienna and Presburg and Budapest and Prague. Those were the four imperial cities. So it was a, you know, it was a great rabbinic position. So when he passed away, his son, the Ktav Sofer, of Avram bin Yomin Sofer, uh, became the Rav. So now you have two generations of the Sofers, the, the Schreibers. The Ktav Sofer passed away at a relatively young age, in his 50s. And he had a son. You know, the son was yet a very young man was in his 20s. So the uh, heads of the community said that uh, Freshborg is such a prestigious Rabonis, we can't have such a young man be the rabbi here. So we will not take the son of the Ktav Sofer, but we'll look for a rabbi. And they, uh, it, it, you can't make this stuff up. How uh, stupid people can be. So the tryout was they invited different rabbis to come and eulogize the father, the uh, so that was the tryout. The family objected. The family said that the uh, the Rabonis belongs to the Sofer family, and that the young man is a great Talmud Chacham and a great person, and that he should be uh, given the position. And the communal leaders uh, didn't uh, want to do it. So the family refused to allow the Ketav Sofer to be buried. And for a number of days, his body, so to speak, lay in state. They didn't do anything. They wouldn't allow the Chevra Kaddisha to bury him. And the... Uh, community was so frightened by this because they were afraid that uh, in heaven they would intercede now and things would happen 
that they agreed and they elected the young man to be the rot, the shaved sofer. And he was a great rabbi. And he continued the dynasty of the Shriners, which still exists until today in the, the Kreshberg Yeshiva here in Yerushalayim. So here's a question of dynasty, right? And it remains until today. There are communities in America that are that were dynastic. And there are communities uh, most of America was not. The old rabbi is not there anymore. They can take anybody new they want. And because of all of this, uh, we find it by Shmuel Hanavi also. Just like Moshe felt somehow that he was slighted, that his children were not considered, well, so did Shmuel Hanavi. He says, Ubonai My sons are here, and you don't want my sons. You're looking for a king, you're looking on the outside, you're looking for someone else, and what about my sons? The people ignored him. So, and because he mentioned it, and because it's written in Tanakh, so obviously the Tanakh wants us to be aware that he was greatly pained that this happened. just as Moshe felt sorry. And uh, we will see later that when the monarchy was established, the monarchy was always dynastic. And it has remained, uh, whatever vestiges of monarchy remain in the world today, but you have to be related, it's dynastic. So that's a parallelism to the story of uh, Moshe and Korah and to the story of Shmuel and his people. There are other comparisons. Moshe invokes miracles. Imbrio Yivra. God, you should create something now to show them that their rebellion against me is wrong. I discussed earlier in the week uh, in our Minchamarev uh, sessions that Moshe is alone here. No, uh, he has no support from anyone else. No one rises to his defense, so to speak. Because of that, he is shaken. And therefore, he says, only heaven can help me. So therefore, God has to create miracles, right? This can't go, this will not go down with ordinary events. Shmuel Anavi also 
creates in the middle of the summer an enormous thunderstorm. A typhoon of rain. And we all know the climate here in our blessed country. So uh, pretty much no rain. Sivan, Tammuz, Zav, Elul. Never rains. And if it rains, it's a, it's a passing shower at most. And here there's a tremendous storm. And Shmuel invokes it in order to defend himself. In order to show that the heaven is somehow disapproving of their request that they should have a king like all the Goyans have. That's the sign. So he demands that miracle. But just as in the case of Moshe, eventually Yoshua will take over. So here too, the Lord tells uh, Shmuel to find them a king, to look for a king. And the king that will turn up is Shaul, who is an unlikely king. Chazal say, Ben Shona Shaul B'molcha. When Shaul became the king, he was one year old. So the Gemara says, obviously, that is not correct. Cannot take that literally, that he was one year old. So the Gemara says, he was as free of sin as though he were a one-year-old child. So he was the most pious man. And he's of uh, enormous stature, Shikma Vamala, tall, strong, charismatic. The people will love him. But he doesn't want to be the king. He has a premonition that it won't turn out well. Now, uh, we live in a time when uh, it's hard to imagine people who don't want to be the king. But there are occasions like that. In the rabbinic world, I knew uh, a number of people who were great, great rabbis and never never undertook a, a major rabbinic position even though it was offered to them because they didn't want it. They didn't want what goes with it. My father-in-law told me that uh, when he was a rov in Lita, in Lithuania, so he was a rov in a little town that had 40 Jewish families. And that was a rabbinic position. 
He didn't want the position from the beginning, but he had to take it because of the fact that his father-in-law passed away and the town was stuck without a rabbi from before Pesach and the Chofetz Chaim told him to go and take, take care of it. So anyway, he ended up So he told me many times, he said, you know, he's a rabbi in a town with 40 families. He said, you know, you have time to learn. You have time to write. There are rabbis in the United States that have three, four, five hundred families in their congregation. You cannot do that. You know, how are you going to survive that? There aren't enough hours in the day. So therefore there are people that shy away from it. But there are people who say, no, you know, look at the opportunity. They're driven by it. Shoal does not want to be the king. Yet he is forced into it. And Shmuel crowns him. Shmuel loves him more than uh, David. Shoal is the protege of Shmuel, and therefore Shmuel is broken-hearted uh, when Shoal, so to speak, fails the test. When he, uh, the story with Amalek. Shmuel is up all night weeping, praying. <laughs> because now Shmuel feels that he also is not vindicated. <coughs> Didn't work out the way he, would. he had imagined and hoped that it would. So the Haftorah is a piece of tragedy. It's the tragedy of uh, Shmuel and the tragedy of Shoal, really the tragedy of Klav Yisrael. And it becomes, uh, the mission is unfulfilled. Amalek is not destroyed. The Beit HaMikdash is not yet built. And the king is not the answer. So with, with Moshe Rabbeinu also, it is unfulfilled. He's not going there to soil. If Moshe Rabbeinu would have led the Jewish people there to soil, Chazal say there never would have been an exile. That would have been that would have been it. It would have been permanent. But it fell apart at the end. And that's what happens to Shmuel. So uh, in the Haftorah we see the effect of the Parsha as well. Because what happens to Shmuel is implanted in the story 
by what happened to Moshe. And one could say, for instance, if there would not have been a Korach, that there would not have been a failure by Shmuel and Shoal as well. It's as though it's uh, built into the history. These are the consequences. So I always have thought that uh, the Gemara teaches us that a person that's about tshuva becomes a different person, right? This past, so to speak, is erased. The biggest Russia can become the biggest Tzaddik. But one thing, the consequences of what he did as a Russia are never erased. That remains. And we see that throughout history. So, uh, therefore, uh, the lessons become even more clear. It becomes uh, very evident as to what happens. So we have to see the Haftorah in the light of the Parsha, and the Parsha in the light of the Haftorah. You put them both together, you get a picture of... Uh, leadership, of the disappointments of leadership, of family, of the disappointments of family, all the problems. And that, so to speak, the story always repeats itself because the consequences of what happened are never erased. So I want to thank you all for coming. For the next Friday of Ritzvah We'll also have the shear here at 10 o'clock. Have a great Shabbat and a great Chodesh. Thank you, Jeffrey.